My name is Rick Renner, and today I'm in the church of the Nativity in Bethlehem. This is where Jesus was born. Not here in the middle of all this religious ornamentation, but in a cave directly below the church. This church structure was built 1,500 years ago by the Emperor Justinian. But before that, Helena, who was the mother of Constantine, also constructed a church here between the year 326 and 328. So this has been identified as the place where Jesus was born for a very long time. And we read about this event in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. So all went to be taxed, every one to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. That's where we are. And because there was no room for them in the end, they began to look for a place where Mary could give birth to her baby. Why was there no room for them in the end? Because everyone had come to town to be taxed, to be registered according to the official decree. So the rooms were all full. And the only place they could find for Jesus to be born was a cave. That cave is directly below my feet. This really is the place where the incarnation took place the miracle of Christmas. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Welcome to today's program, and thank you for letting me come into your space. And today, it's not just me. Joel Renner is with us. Hey, Joel. Hi, Dad. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you, B. Yesterday was so enjoyable as we looked at the life of Mary. And today we're going to look at the life of Joseph. It would be very interesting. Why did God choose Joseph? One thing is for sure, God does not do things through a lottery system. He doesn't put names in a bowl or in a brown paper sack, then swish them around, reach in, pull out a little piece of paper with a name on it, and say, gee, I guess this is the one that I'll choose. If God chooses someone, he's chosen them for a reason. Yesterday, we saw why God chose Mary. Today, we're going to see why did God choose Joseph? Think about it. It was the biggest assignment ever given to a human male figure to be the foster father of Jesus. Did God just randomly choose Joseph or was there a reason why God chose Joseph is there a reason why God is choosing you or not choosing you for a special assignment? Today, we're going to look at that. It's going to really be good. But if you need prayer, we're here for you. And we would love for our team to pray with you. Just ring us, write us. We'll get right to prayer with you. We really mean that, especially as we enter this holiday season. You may have special prayer needs. Let us pray with you. We would love to do that. And we're offering you my 15-part series called Christmas the rest of the story, you will just love this. I am enjoying this so much as we dive into the scriptures to find things we don't usually hear revolving the birth of Jesus. It is just marvelous. And it comes with a study guide that you will love. It comes in multiple formats. We're also offering you right now my book, Sparkling Gems 1 and Sparkling Gems 2. And these are great gifts to give at this season of the year as Christmas gifts or New Year's gifts because it is a daily devotion. Can you imagine a better way for somebody to start their new year 
than to start with a brand new devotional. If you already have number one, get number two. If you don't have either, you can start with number two. You can start with number one. It really doesn't matter. Or you can start with both. Both of these will be great tools for your spiritual library. If you can imagine it, Joel, in each one of these, there are more than 1,000 Greek word studies in this one and in this one. Wow. And they're written in such a way that anybody can understand it. And my purpose was to extract treasures from the New Testament that will really help people love the Bible more because we're praying for what? A revival of the Bible. A revival of the Bible. That's what we're praying for. And by the way, when you become a partner with our ministry, I want you to know that's what we're praying for. We're praying for a revival of the Bible. People around the world are crying for somebody to bring them the pure snow from the mountaintop, the pure word of God, and I believe that's my assignment. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 10, 21, the lips of the righteous feed many. And I believe that God has called us to feed many the word of God. And when you financially partner with our ministry, that means you regularly support us. You enter into a partnership or relationship that is just powerful because it enables us to take this teaching around the world. And really, it's you taking this teaching around the world because your finances are putting the fuel in the tank that makes it possible. Thank you so much if you are a partner already. And thank you for praying about joining us as a partner. We really need you as a part of our partner family. And for those who become partners, immediately we always send them a copy of my book called Life in the Combat Zone. This is dedicated to partners. It's about how to get through any difficult situation, not just get through it, but to thrive in any situation. And we send Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness. It's just such a powerful package. It's our gift, our way of initiating our partner relationship with you. But today, I hope you have your Bibles. Do you have your Bible, Joel? I do. It's right here. All right. Today, we're going to see why God chose Mary. And this program is just loaded. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Let's begin. Today, we're going to see several things. First of all, we're going to see why God chose Joseph. Did I say Mary? You said Mary. I meant Joseph. Today, we're looking at the life of Joseph. Yesterday was Mary. Today, we're going to see why God chose Joseph. Just like there were reasons why Mary was highly favored, there were reasons why Joseph was the one that was called and given the assignment to be the foster father of Jesus. Can you imagine a bigger assignment ever given to any human being? God was not going to give that assignment to a poor, unfaithful, unsuccessful person. God was going to give it to somebody who had already been tested, somebody that he could trust. So today we're going to answer several questions. What kind of man was Joseph and what caused God to be attracted to Joseph? We're also going to destroy a tradition. There's a tradition that Joseph was a poor carpenter. Was Joseph poor? Was he even a carpenter? Was he poor or was he wealthy? What can we see from the Bible itself? Then we're going to see where Joseph met Mary's parents. We're going to see that Joseph was faithful. Joseph had integrity. Joseph was kind. He was humane. Joseph was spiritually attuned. He could hear the voice of God. Joseph was very quick to obey. And Joseph was a spiritual leader of his family. All of these were reasons why God chose him. 
and there are reasons why God chooses people today. So let's dive right into this. Are you ready, Joel? I'm ready. Let's begin with the tradition that Joseph was a poor carpenter. Let's go right to Matthew 13, verse 55. What do we know about Joseph from the Bible? Well, most people believe that Joseph was a carpenter because of Matthew 13, 55, and they think that carpenters were poor. Well, that's just a tradition. That does not line up with the historical facts. First of all, Matthew 13, 55 does say about Jesus, is this not the carpenter's son? So Joseph was called a carpenter. However, when you look at this in the Greek, it is not the word carpenter at all. That is a bad translation. That's just a bad translation. And it's created a tradition that is simply not true. The Greek word is tekton. Now, already, that should say something. Do you hear another word in that? Technology. Technology. It's where we get the word technology. It describes a person that is highly advanced in whatever he is doing. This is not a simple carpenter. In fact, the word tekton in Greek was always used to describe a man who made exquisite furniture, exquisite jewelry, or who created magnificent mosaics, who was assigned with stonework, the word tecton could even describe one who was a building supervisor. This never described a poor carpenter that worked with wood. Never. It's just a bad translation. And it shows how a bad translation can affect a lot of people's thinking. Mm. And in fact, all of these professions, exquisite furniture, jewelry, mosaic, stonework, building supervisors, these actually were very well-paid individuals. These were highly paid professions. Well, let's take that into the story of Joseph. Joseph lived in Nazareth. Nearby was the city of Sepphoris. Sepphoris was built by Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas, during that time, wanted to build something that would become the ornament of Galilee. He wanted a magnificent city. So he began construction of Sephoris, which became the banking center of the Middle East. Rich, rich people lived in Sephoris. Very few people lived, poor people lived in Sephoris. Now, Mary, when she was betrothed to Joseph, lived in Nazareth. But Mary probably actually grew up in Sephoris. Hmm. Her parents lived in Sephoris. We believe this because her father was the sacred scroll supervisor in the synagogue of Sephoris. So they resided in Sephoris. And that explains why Jesus and all of his parables and all of his stories could talk about extremely wealthy people. Jesus borrowed words from the theater. Jesus talked about banking. Jesus spoke in big, big terms concerning money. Those were terms and figures and ideas he would have never seen in Nazareth because Nazareth was just a sleeping community where people lived who worked in Sephoris. Mm -hmm. Most of the workers in Sephoris lived nearby in Nazareth, which was just a four-mile walk. It was a very short walk. I remember when you took us there to Sephoris. You took us to the theater where they had beautiful mosaics. It's amazing the banking, the synagogue. It was not a small town. No, in fact, when you go to Sephoris, I don't know why very few people go there, but Sephoris is simply a magnificent place. Herod Antipas built it to be the ornament of Galilee, and that's really what it became. But that explains why Jesus was able to speak with such knowledge and authority on a wide range of subjects that he would have never seen in Nazareth. He came to Sephoris to see his grandparents. But let me finish. It's likely that Joseph was working in Sephoris 
And most people believe he was probably a building supervisor or someone with a lot of authority. He was working in, in Sephoris because at that particular time, when Jesus was a child, Sephoris was really under construction. Herod Antipas was putting all his might into it, all of his finances into it, to make Sephoris the ornament of Galilee. And it's likely that that is where Mary's parents saw him and said, wow, this is a remarkable young man, a successful young man, the kind of young man we would like to marry our daughter. They liked him because he was faithful, he was well-to-do, he was up and coming in society. They could see he was very good in his profession. He was well-paid. Now, doesn't that just blow to pieces the idea that he was just a poor carpenter? Of course. Joseph was not a poor carpenter. Let me ask you, if God was going to give somebody the biggest assignment that had ever been given in the human race, would he give it to somebody unsuccessful that had never proven themselves? Of course not. The first thing we know about Joseph was he was faithful in what he did. The Bible tells us in Luke 16, 11, here's a principle, and God does not violate his own principles. In Luke 16, 11, if therefore you've not been faithful and unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? If Joseph had not been faithful in minor things, if he had not been faithful in his profession, if he had not been faithful with money, why would God give him a bigger assignment? That's just not the way that God does things. God is very predictable. Isn't that powerful? He is. He's very consistent. It means we don't have to wonder how God works. He's we the same know yesterday, how God works. today, and tomorrow. You know, some people say, well, God works in strange and mysterious ways. Well, only if you don't know the Bible. Mm -hmm. He does not work in strange and mysterious ways. He's very predictable. And we know that God does not give big assignments to people that have been unfaithful. He chooses people that are faithful. And Joseph was a man who was faithful with his profession. He even built a reputation in the city of Sephora where he was working. Then we know that God had been watching Joseph for a long time. God had been watching him, observing him. God knew this was a man to whom he could really give the biggest assignment of all. But what else do we know about Joseph? Matthew 1.18. Look at this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. As we saw in the last program, this word espoused really describes the betrothal process. When for one year, the young man and the young woman were engaged, and it was a year of training and preparation and sexual purity it was during this year that she would have relocated from Sephora to Nazareth. But during that period, they had no sexual relationship, which means Joseph was a man of integrity. He did not violate the scripture. He did not violate the principles that had been given to him. God knew this was a man who really honored truth. At the end of the year, they were officially joined. They were sexually joined. But it was during that year before they sexually came together that Mary was found to be of child by the Holy Ghost. And that situation really revealed what kind of man Joseph was. Circumstances that come in life reveal who you are. If Joseph had been unkind, if he had been brutal, he could have publicly disdained her, divorced her. But he was so kind and he was so humane even when he had a legal right to put her away. Listen to what Matthew 119 says. 
Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. That word just is a Greek word, dikaios. It's really the word righteous. He was a righteous man. And not willing to make her a public example, he did not want to embarrass her, was minded to put her away privately. So when he discovered that Mary was pregnant before they came together sexually, he was so kind, he was so humane, he loved her so much that he did not want to embarrass her, so he was going to deal with their separation somehow privately. This could have been a great insult to Joseph's honor. But this revealed that Joseph was more concerned about Mary than he was about his own reputation. He was a kind man. He was a humane man, just the kind of person God would want to be the foster father of Jesus. Wow. Not somebody brutal or harsh, but somebody kind, somebody very humane. It revealed what kind of man Joseph was. Then in Matthew 1.20, we find out he was spiritually attuned. Listen to what the Bible says. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Thou son of David, fear not to take Mary unto thee as thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now, Joel, I've been in a lot of really difficult situations, and sometimes when you're in a difficult situation, you're so emotionally confused and torn up that it's hard for you to hear the Lord. But Joseph was so spiritually attuned that even though he was in a very difficult situation, and he really was, he was able to hear the voice of the Lord. Joseph was a man that was spiritually attuned. He could even hear God speak to him in a difficult situation. But wait, there's something else we know. He was obedient. How do we know that? Because of Matthew 1, 24 and 25. Listen to what the Bible says. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, which means when Joseph heard from the Lord, he did not hesitate. He absolutely did and did very quickly what he heard the Lord say. He was spiritually attuned and he was quick to obey. You know what else? This tells me this was not the first time God had given him a difficult assignment. The first time God tells you to do something, it's usually a struggle. It's difficult to obey. But the fact that he obeyed so quickly tells me God had spoken to him earlier in life and had already tested him on previous assignments. This was a man who had worked through many things and had developed a pattern of obedience in his life. This was probably not the first time God had asked him to do something hard. And that's the reason why God knew he would say yes and would quickly obey. But what else do we know about Joseph? Look at Matthew chapter 2. Verse 13 to 14, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt. Now, this is a big deal. Joseph had a career. Joseph had a reputation. He had worked very hard for his reputation. He was an outstanding young man in the city of Sephoris. He was known as a professional. He was earning a good income. Egypt was a very different place. It was a pagan land. He had no contacts in Egypt. Not only that, he didn't have a work permit to work in Egypt. And going to Egypt 
represented a total break with his past. It wasn't just fleeing for a few moments. He was fleeing from his career. He was fleeing from his security. He was fleeing from everything. And as I said, he had no work permit. And that explains why the Magi showed up when they did with their gifts of treasures, gold, frankincense. They needed all that money to live while they were in Egypt. We're going to cover that in the next programs. It's going to be really good. But Joseph didn't argue with God. He said, God, if that's what you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And guess what? They didn't even delay. When they woke up, they packed up their bags and they were out of there. Joseph was a man very quick to obey. But wait, wait, wait. There's something else we know that's very important. Look at Luke 2, 41 through 42. And the Bible tells us. Now, his parents went up to Jerusalem every year. Look at that. Every year at the feast of the Passover. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they went to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Every year means Joseph was very consistent in leading his family spiritually. This was a man who led his family. He understood it was his father's responsibility to lead his family in spiritual things. He didn't just send his kids to church and stay home. He went with his kids. He led them spiritually and he led them by example. This was truly a man who was a spiritual leader of his family. God knew all of these things about Joseph. This was no random choice. God was watching Joseph for a very, very long time. God's watching you. He's studying you to see if you're being faithful to what he's already asked you to do. He's studying you to see if you're faithful. Do you have integrity? Are you kind? Are you humane? God's watching you to see if you're spiritually attuned. How quick are you to obey? Are you really leading your family as he expects you? God's watching all of those things. If you've not been faithful in low-level assignments, why would he entrust to you true riches? He's waiting on you. There's a reason why God chooses certain individuals. Joel, this has been good today. Very good. I can hardly wait to get back in tomorrow's program. We're going to see what is a manger and what really is swaddling clothes. It's going to be good. But we'll be back in just a moment, and we're going to pray for you. Everyone thinks they know the Christmas story. But what you don't know are the fascinating details that only God could have orchestrated. In Rick Renner's 15-part series, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, Rick uncovers the shocking and surprising events that occurred at the time of Jesus' birth. In this series, you'll discover the amazing details that are often overlooked. Topics like exactly who Joseph was and why it mattered. What was the star that guided the wise men? And the significance of the gifts the wise men brought to the Christ child. Available in digital or physical format starting at just $24. You'll have a deeper understanding of the meaning and importance of Christmas. The rest of the story. When you call or go online today, you can also get sparkling gems from the Greek volumes 1 and 2. So many Christians live their entire lives skimming the surface of the Word of God. Most never discover the profound truth treasures that lie deep within the text. In Sparkling Gems from the Greek, Rick unlocks the brilliant treasures within God's Word and shows you how to live an intimate, uncompromising life with God. In an easy-to-read devotional format, each volume of Sparkling Gems explores more than 1,000 in-depth Greek word studies, revealing the profound wisdom and counsel from the Bible. Get one or both of these valuable resources today. Sparkling Gems 1 for just $40 and Sparkling Gems 2 for only $45. Don't miss this special offer, Christmas, the rest of the story, and the companion books Sparkling Gems 1 and 2. Call now or go to renner.org to order.
Hey friend, this is Rick Renner, and I want to just take a moment to say thank you for being a partner with our ministry. I am so grateful to you. I mean that from the depths of my heart because of what you do, what you do every month. You enable us to take this teaching of the Bible to people that are crying out for it. I realize you may live in a city where it seems like there's a church on every corner, but the rest of the world is not like that. And people are really praying for somebody to bring them answers from the Bible. And when you send your gifts to this ministry, it's like you put fuel in the tank so that we can take the teaching to those who really need it. And I want to read to you from the Great Commission, a promise that Jesus makes just to you. It's made to you. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28. Verse 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations. You say, well, I'm not really going. Yes, you are. You may not physically be going, but with your gifts, you're enabling the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. There are those who go, and there are those who help others to go. That's your part. Right from the privacy of your home, without ever leaving your divan, you're affecting somebody else somewhere else in the world. And to you, Jesus makes a promise. Listen to this in verse 20. Jesus says, if you teach them to observe whatsoever things I have commanded you, lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. And the word lo is Jesus' own exclamation. It is the Greek word edu, which means wow, wow, wow. Jesus says, wow, will I ever be with you? It's a conditional promise if you go or if you enable others to take the message. Jesus says, because of what you have done, you can expect my power to show up in your life. Jesus says, lo, or the Greek would be better translated, wow, 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 will I ever be with you? You can lay hold of that promise, dear friend. If you're a giver to the work of God, if you're a giver, who causes the message of the Bible to go to the ends of the earth so that others can be taught as Jesus commanded us. Lay hold of that verse because Jesus promises his supernatural power to work in your life because you're involved in taking the message to the ends of the earth. So partner, thank you for doing your part and expect the power of God to operate in your life. But thank you from me, thank you from Denise, thank you from our team. We're doing what we do because you do what you do and together we're partners to make a difference. Wow, we have had a good time today in the Bible, haven't we, Joel? We really have. Looking at why God chose Joseph. It's amazing. And you know, this is a little piece of this series, which is called Christmas, the rest of the story. Order this. You're going to love this. Joel, I'm loving teaching this. I am and, too. And we're just getting started. There's 15 parts in this series, and it comes in multiple formats with a study guide. Together, they are just dynamite. We're also offering you right now my books called Sparkling Gems 1, Sparkling Gems 2, Daily Devotionals, a great way to start your new year. And as I always tell you, for those who become partners with our ministry, we always send them a copy of my book, Life in the Combat Zone and The Gift of Forgiveness. That's for anyone who financially enters into a partnership relationship with us. That means you give regularly to our ministry to help us take this teaching 
to people around the world. And my friends, people around the world are watching this program. We need your help to make sure we keep taking it to them. But we want to pray for you. Let's join hands. Father, we thank you that today Joel and I could be with our precious TV family. We thank you for the amazing Word of God, and we pray for a revival of the Bible in people's lives. And Lord, if you're looking at us, we want you to look at us and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've qualified for the next assignment. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's really my prayer for you, and it's my prayer for us. Hey, remember, Ecclesiastes 8.4, it says, where the word of a king is, there is power. Thank you for joining Rick Renner today. For more information about Rick Renner Ministries and product resources, visit renner.org and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.